on their backs, butt them in the mouth, knock their ass in the dirt. That's what we got to do. We got to stop that buddy ball, smash everybody in the mouth. Hey, baby, we're going to be here all day, baby. I like this kind of party. I like this kind of party, baby. You're in the doghouse with Rick Watson and Big Dog Sports Talk on the WRAD Talk Network. Remember, with great power comes great responsibility. You know what that means? Do you? We're underdog. We're mutts. My number one play is the power sweep. If you only knew the power of the dark side... Welcome in to Hour 3, the Power Hour, on Big Dog Sports Talk with Rick Watson. Join the conversation now on the Long and Foster Baker Team Hotline, 540-639-4900, or text Rick and the show at Safely underway on a Thursday. Great stuff from uh, Andy Bitter. Great stuff on the text line. You can keep those flying in at 744-2990. Dwight Vick comes up here in about 27 minutes if we're staying precisely on time this morning. But before that, joining us now on the program, he is the voice of the Virginia Tech women's basketball team. Of course, the voice of Tech baseball. It's always great to be joined by Evan Hughes. Good morning, E.H. How are you? Rick, great to be with you, my friend. I'm going to do my best to keep you on schedule 27 <laughs> minutes as best I can. You always do. It's never a problem with you. Never a problem. Uh, of course, tonight over on 100.7, you'll be on the call for uh, Kenny Brooks' squad against the Duke Blue Devils. Uh, Kenny was with us on Tuesday, and we talked about how ironic even it is that last year when he came on this show – and you know it as well as anyone. It was the Duke game down at their place that kind of got his uh, got his attention. He wasn't real happy with the way his team responded. They used that as kind of a catapult to where they ended up. Well, they're on a seven-game win streak, and it happened, guess what, after the trip to Durham. I mean, it's a big one tonight for a lot of reasons for these ladies. No, it really is. And, Rick, I mean, it is kind of eerie. You know, you win a couple games, it's like, wow, you know, you bounce back back-to-back years after the Duke game. But, you know, here we are in – you know, about to be middle of February, and you can see the end of the the, uh, the regular season, the finish line is near, and they've won seven in a row. They're playing their best basketball. Um, I, I tell you, the thing, too, I mean, going in tonight against Duke, do you remember that game against the Blue Devils, Rick? I mean, Duke, 
Um, they're known for their defense, their physicality, but they scored the ball really well. Yeah. Um, and I, tonight, tonight for Virginia Tech, it's um, it's perimeter defense can be very important. But since that game, and not to mention that was the game that George Amor, you'll remember, got hurt left in the middle of the third quarter, and then ended up missing the next game against Clemson. Since that game, Virginia Tech's defense has been outstanding, and I don't think it has gotten the attention that it has deserved. And Kenny Brooks loves to play man-to-man. It, it's something that he learned under Lefty Drizel, his former coach, I mean, to, to, to have that principle instilled into his teams. But, Rick, this year the Hokies have played way more 2-3 zone um, than they had the last couple of years. And that zone, when they switched to it against NC State last week, completely shut down the Wolfpack. I mean, they had one assist at halftime. They were just driving to the rim um, and, and and once that zone kind of took away the pen, the dribble penetration and then you know getting inside and and, and just driving, um, it, you know, it was a huge reason why they won that game. So that's one thing since the Duke game. I mean, the defense has just been great. I think it's all in the seven game winning streak. Uh, opponents have been held to under seventy points in all seven of those games. And you know, I think that's a thing. Last year, Rick, not to keep Harvard on defense, but. When you look at Virginia Tech winning 15 straight games last year, ACC Championship Final Four, its defense was was fantastic, right? Like, they defend together as a team. As he likes to say, they defend in packs. He wants to be four, uh, 15th in the ACC in steals. Uh, he doesn't want to step out in front of passing lanes. They defend together. They make things incredibly difficult. And um, I, I think as long as they can continue to do that and – the, the supporting players, right, the Olivia Samuels, Matilda Ack, Clara Strack, Carly Wenzel, as they continue to find their roles, if they can continue to excel in those roles, I mean, I, there's no doubt in my mind that Tech is the best team in the ACC, and they're poised to make another deep run here in March. No, I mean, it's a salient point. I mean, uh, Kenny Brooks has always been a defensive first coach, and you're right, when that personality isn't presenting itself – Nothing else is going to work. So it has been the key. It's been the trigger, and he's very pleased with that because it also lends itself to the offensive end because if you're having you know whatever it is causing disruption in the backcourt, you're grabbing a, a quick rebound block shot, I mean, you can get that offense jump-started. And there are a few, I think, guards in the country that are better at getting that fast break going than George Amor. So it all plays in together. You don't, you don't think about defense a lot when you talk about a team's offense, but I think Tech benefits greatly on that end of the floor. No doubt. They're one of the best defensive rebounding teams uh, in the ACC. You're 100%. I mean, the, the way they defend leads to rebounds. And it, you're right. When, they, you know, when, when Georgia gets the ball in an outlet pass, I, everyone should watch tonight. If you watch Georgia when she crosses the timeline at midcourt, watch her eyes and how she's always looking across the court. Like you know, as the play-by-play guy, Rick, sometimes you you know uh, what players like you, you can't look down at your board or uh, for stats at certain moments. Mm-hmm. I can't look down like when Tech gets a rebound for something because Georgia's always looking for a cross-court pass, something underneath might just, you know, go from jogging up the floor to a blow-by dribble and drive baseline and curl. I mean, so, um, you know, she, she since she came back from injury, uh, to talk about Georgia, for instance, uh, she has been spectacular. And, um, you know, she, she you know, a lot of teams, I think, earlier in the year, Rick, really tried to uh, speed her up. And she's forcing teams to play her tempo, 
her style, the two-man game that she plays with Liz Kitley, it's just that there is not a better duo in America. I mean, they were the top returning scoring duo in all of women's college basketball this year. No player has assisted a score more in the country as of last week, and that was per Kelly Gramlich of uh, ESPN, the Georgia Amor Liz Kitley. I believe going into the NC State game, Amor had assisted Kitley 67 times wow. on the year, which was way more than any other duo in America. So, again, it, it's fun to see it all come together. And, and I think one, one of the takeaways um, that I think about Rick is just you can't judge a team based off what happens in November and December. It just, in the era of the transfer portal, that's just something that's on my mind. We, you know, everyone wants to talk about what happened against Iowa the opening week or LSU. I think that when you've got nine new players, it takes time, right? And everyone just expects because you have Amor, because you have Kitley, because you have Kayla King, it's just going to magically fall into place. It takes a couple months, and it's really fun to see. You know, what, it, it matters when you get hot in sports and when you peak, and, and this team is starting to do that right now. So it's, it's fun to watch. Evan Hughes joining us on the program. He'll be on the call tonight for the Tech Ladies as they take on the Dukies at a sold-out Castle Coliseum. All right, now, the other hat that you wear is the lead by play, uh, play-by-play voice for the Tech baseball team. And, of course, college baseball. I know you get excited at the crossover season. It gets started tomorrow across the land as the Hokies head to Charlotte. And uh, give us a skinny on this team. What's Coach Chef's going to bring out here in 2023? What do you like about the squad? Or I mean, Rick, you know, you know me. I'm always excited about everything, but I really mean it. I, I think this team is flying really under the radar, and I think it's getting slept on nationally. Um, you know, D1 Baseball does a great job covering the sport, and, and their headline a couple of weeks ago for their season preview for Tech was, the Hokies can be a real dark horse uh, if the pitching is like it was two years ago. And – you look at this team, number one, its strength is going to be that it returns its entire infield. Um, you know, Carson Martini last year uh, at third base, obviously a freshman All-American, was fantastic on the Super Regional team two years ago. He tore his labrum sliding into second base last year, Rick, in early April. A lot of guys, especially that project to be a high draft pick, would probably shut it down to that point. He played through the entire year, DHing, hit like 345. Dude loves Virginia Tech, you know, bleeds maroon and orange. He's back. He's healthy. Yeah, Clay Grady at short. Christian Martin, who's, I think, one of the most underrated second basers in all of college baseball, led deck and hits. And then Garrett Michelle, who's a freshman last year at first base, led them in, uh, on base percentage. And then in the outfield, Chris Canizero's back. Sam Tackett's coming off the best uh, fall of any hitter for Tech. And then pitching-wise, I tell you, I just finished my prep yesterday, Rick, and Hokies brought in a lot of transfers, but a lot of really good arms and pitchers that can do different things from the right and left side. Um, you know, I, I know they're really high on a couple of freshmen, uh, and Madden Clement and Brett Renfro, I think that'll see time on the mound. Um, but, you know, talking with the staff, they're a joy to be around. Uh, I think that, again, this team's going to score a lot of runs. It's been Coach Chef's calling card. I think offensively they're going to be they're going to be fine. I think what's going to be interesting is just the roles that pitchers are in that can change, as you know, in college baseball from what it starts the season this weekend to a conference play about a month away. But they've got a lot of different options pitching wise, um, 
And one headliner I do want to shout out, you know, getting Brady Kurtner back. He's a Christiansburg High School guy, drafted by the New York Mets. I believe it was the 14th round, Rick. And he turned them down. He He came back. He's a back end of the bullpen guy in the past. I think he can be stretched out to be a starter. He is one of the best breaking balls I've seen in my time covering college baseball. Fastball, about 95, uh, 96. So him coming back is a huge deal for Tech baseball. And let me tell you something. Charlotte went to a regional final last year. Mm-hmm. They won Conference USA. They're moving over to the American, which is a really good baseball conference. going to be a really good series this weekend. That'll look good on a resume if you can come away with a series win come May or June. And, of course, the conference is going to be amongst the best in the country again, led by that team, right? Those Demon Deeks, Wake Forest. They just keep on keeping on. Their pitching is amazing. Uh, I mean, they go out, they get Chase Burns, who was one of the most highly coveted players in the transfer portal from Tennessee, who's hit 99 on the radar gun. And, uh, yeah, the Hokies get the Demon Deacons in Blacksburg, I believe it's the first weekend in April. So uh, the, the job that Coach Walter's done – uh, you know, Wake is Wake is really good. Uh, I, th- I think Virginia is going to be solid this year. The Cavaliers have been down a little bit per their standards the last couple of years. And by the way, Tech has won back-to-back series against UVA for the first time yeah. since '99 and 2000. Um, they've done that the last two years. As a little side note, uh, UNC is going to be uh, really good. I mean, but again, I, I think you can make the argument, Rick, that uh, Rick, that the ACC in baseball. And maybe men's soccer, it's the uh, the most dominant of the two ACC sports, yeah. like conferences, like uh, uh, you know, in the country. Uh, women's basketball right there, too, because they might get nine teams. But in baseball, there are legitimately 11 teams, maybe even 12, I think, that have a chance to make a regional. And I think at the minimum, nine or ten will make it. So good news for Tech. They're going to have their opportunities. You know, you, you win – five six ACC series you're going to be in a position to, to make a regional and um but I I think that this team is just going to be really good they're flying under the radar and I'm really excited to see what the pitching staff looks like this weekend I think they're excited to get out there and uh, I think they're going to turn some heads I really do because you know they're going to score runs Rick it's just what they do you get that ball in the jet stream at English field it's, it's going to fly over that right uh, over that left field wall and you're going to have uh, a little assistance this year, right, uh, on the broadcast this season, I saw. We, we are. That's just to help during crossover season with women's basketball. Yeah. I'm going to miss a, a good amount of, uh, of games. And so really looking forward to having, uh, as you know, Kevin DiDomenico, who's done some Radford broadcast. Uh, but he yeah. was last year the AAA voice of the Reno Aces. And then Giovanni Heater, who's the co-voice of the Salem Red Sox, a, a star, a rising star in our SMA program. So, uh, Gio's going to come down with me. We're going to call the opener on Friday, and then nice. I've got to come back Friday night to fly to Louisville on Saturday. So those two are going to help when I can't be there at baseball. But wanted to plug those guys, give them some love, and they're, they're going to do a great job helping our coverage this year. All right, and again, you can hear all those games right here on uh, WRAD and the women's game tonight over on Hot 100. EH, have a great call tonight, my friend. Great to catch up with you, and uh, try to have fun tomorrow night at the ballpark, will you? Yeah, will do. Uh, great to be with you, Rick. Hope all's well with you. And uh, tell Neil I said hello for me. I will, there, do okay? I will do it, man. I will do it. Stay safe. Okay, take care. There you go. That's uh, Evan Hughes joining us on the program, the voice of the Tech women's basketball team and also the baseball team. We're going to take a break, come back, 
about 13 minutes away from Dwight Vick here as we roll along on this Thursday. Hope you're doing wonderfully. Sun is out this morning. That's always a wonderful thing, especially in middle of February. Highs in the mid-50s potentially today. Yes, have some. Don't go away. Virginia Tech Hokies, and you're listening to Big Dog Sports Talk with Rick Watson. William Fleming's finest, Lee Hope you're okay here on a Thursday. The White Vic comes up a little bit later on. Thanks to Andy Bitter, Evan Hughes. Two big basketball games in the NRB tonight, not just over in Blacksburg, but also uh, down here at the Dedman Center. Radford takes on Winthrop. Highlanders uh, really needing to uh, come away with a dub. Be on the air here at uh, 7.30. That'll be an 8 o'clock tip. Tech women's game also at 8 o'clock tonight. Ah, I got to love TV dictating the times of games. And everyone from the conference is going, yeah, whatever you want. You want to start at 11 p.m.? That's great. Yes, yes. We'll let the school know later. <clears throat> right. <sighs> All right, so um, warmer weather today. Going to cool off a little for the weekend. I'm not trying to get too excited here, but we're at the uh, what? We're in post-Valentine's Day now. That means that you may have another month, maybe, of true winter threat precipitation, and then it starts to kind of dwindle. We shall see how it all plays out. I know the snow cult's still looking at some of these forecasts and getting very excited, so I hope they are wrong. But we shall see how it plays out, especially when you've got all these stick and ball sports going on now in February because they have to start the season so early because of all the games. I mean, it's tough to find days, cold weather climates. Collegiately, there aren't any indoor facilities, so it's difficult. So we'll see... uh, how much the weather dictates some of these games for baseball and softball now fully underway after tomorrow in both sports. So that's where we're headed now into crossover season. And as you heard Evan say, they're going to have a little help on the broadcast until he's uh, finished up with the Tech women's season, which uh, he hopes goes a long way like it did last year. All right, coming up, Dwight Vick joins us on the program, and we'll cover a lot of ground with him, the authority on Virginia Tech football and other things. Always a great conversation with Dwight. Our final segment here on a Thursday where the temperature is going to be around 55 degrees. Loving it, loving it. 
appreciate you as always making us a part of your morning routine. Text lines constantly open for you, 744-2990. We're back with the White Vic. segment here for another day. Hope everybody's doing all right. We're having a little problem with the White's phone this morning, so we're uh, hoping that uh, we're able to get that rectified. Uh, he's going to try to call us here just a little bit, so we hope we're able to uh, get that done with him. I know how that goes, right? Sometimes things just don't work. We had to deal with it here for about a, a solid week before here on the program. So it happens. It happens. Um, good stuff there from uh, Evan Hughes. Baseball season is here. It's, it's hard to believe. Now, for me, I've been watching it a lot, you know, down at RU. been watching those guys practice. You know, we've, been, we've, had, a lot of, we've had a lot of good, warm days um, here on the uh, – in the New River Valley over the last several weeks. So you be you see guys out there, you hear the sounds, so you kind of you know it's coming, but boy, it's here. Radford travels to Georgia Tech. Both uh both Radford and Tech have tough road series to open up their season, but you know, I just think that's the way to do it. You know, especially, you know, Tech's got that you heard Evan talking about all the nine or 10 teams that might end up in the NCAA baseball tournament in the regionals? I mean, there's a lot that you have to prepare for, a whole heck of a lot. And if uh, you don't test yourself, I mean, you jump into those series, you're not prepared, especially early. And I think one thing Evan talked about that's so true, especially in college baseball. I mean, you might have, you know, we had Alex Guerra, Radford's head coach in here, and he was talking about, the same thing. I mean, you might have a rotation in, in mind in February. You might start out and announce, here's our three guys. And then because of injury or effectiveness or roster attrition, whatever it might be, 
I mean, you have to just kind of adjust as you uh, you go go out and about, right? All right. I believe now we have Dwight. Dwight, how are you? Good morning. Good morning. I was uh, was it my phone? I'm sorry. No, it's okay. I don't know. I tried to call and then it gave me this weird thing, so that's why I just shot you a text. So you sound loud and clear, though. All right, good. Yeah, it might be a glitch in the <laughs> phone system. But anyway, good morning, man. Good to be back on. Hey, always great to have you back on. And, uh, you know, we're just talking to, uh, you know, Andy about a lot of things. You know, there's uh, one poll that's out, not really a poll, but a, a guy who breaks down college football, and he looks at all the metrics involved with Virginia Tech and what they have. It's not really a matter of opinion. He's just looking at different types of stats. And I thought it was interesting. He's got Tech coming in at 30 on the season. Bill Conley's his name. And when you're looking at metrics and so forth, I like that. I agree with Andy. It's good to look at how Tech lost games and why they lost, and that's what he does in his formula. And you've talked about that. I mean, this team, what, they were – two or three wins away from a 10-win season last year. So, man, there's just a lot to feel good about on paper. Yeah, it is, man. Um, it's, it's interesting because um, you keep forgetting that they uh, lost Ollie Jennings early in the season and that Drones did not start early in the season. Um, you know, you can't second-guess coaches. You shouldn't anyway. Um, but we had the right to wonder. And you just wonder how – the season would have been, um, I, I think, regardless, you beat ODU. That's not taking shots to ODU. They ended up going to a bowl game. Um, but, uh, you know, the offense just seemed to click, especially once I said on your show and I even said on um, my pod or another pod that once um, Pry and his staff and Tyler Bowen and company get the keys to drones and say, this is your vehicle, you are a driver you would see an uptick in the offense, and we did, uh, once he got the keys to that car. And and the, and the fact of the matter is, Tech has some really good talent, and they have some good personnel. But I don't want to dismiss the fact that um, they had talent before when they were having losing seasons. Mm-hmm. I think they have more talent, and more importantly, they have a culture, and they actually have a scheme that makes sense, that works for the personnel they have. Tootin, I mean, I went back and looked at his stats. Just, you know, I had a some time in between the session and I went back and looked up his stats and to have two kick returns. He was a great receiver out the back backfield in the screen game. And then you also um, had him running the raw ball very, very well. You know, this is going to be a flash back to some of the old school lessons you might have, but I know in today's modern day NFL, you know, you have the running backs that can do stuff, the multi-purpose backs. But I think uh, when I look at two, he reminds me so much of Thurman Thomas um, and how the Buffalo Bills used him in the uh, 90s, early 90s, um, just how you can get him the ball out the backfield. And I think um, between him and Jones, you have two legitimate uh, player of the year candidates on that offense. Um, I think, and I'm, I'm going to go ahead and put this out there now. I was going to save it for the fall, but, you know, I'm going to say it now so I can clip it, the receipt in your, your show. I think Jones is a dark horse to, to um, be a Heisman candidate and to be up for the Heisman. Um, and I'm, I say that very con- with confidence. And I know there's some Virginia Tech fans saying, Heisman? <laughs> yeah, well, keep in mind, Michael Vick, obviously, a once-in-a-lifetime generational talent, finished third in the Heisman, and did not start in the race for the Heisman. And he didn't throw or run the ball as much 
design runs and throwing the ball we do with drones. Number two, for your old-time listeners that's been around tech since day one, Maurice DeShazo was a Heisman candidate coming into a senior year based on what he did in 1993. Mm -hmm. So Virginia Tech has had them, okay? Um, It's just a matter that we've been in the doghouse (laughs) before last year. It's tough to imagine we could be in the situation where we have a guy that's that good on the national level. But if you look at the modern-day college football game, drones fit that fits that bill. Um, you saw in the Super Bowl what Mahomes did when the play broke down or when he just was able just to keep the ball and pick up 30 yards late in the game. So his mobility is an asset. Well, and I think you've already pointed out one of the main ingredients, too, that could add to that potential Heisman candidacy, and that is the fact that you have Ollie Jennings, who was going to be or was touted to be, right, the biggest weapon you're bringing in from the portal. He doesn't get the play, but just a handful of snaps because of the injury, and now you add him to all this experience. I mean, as effective as uh, Drones was running the ball and decisions that he made, I mean, you got to think that the middle of the field is going to open up even more, right, because of that threat now with both of those guys on the outside. I, I don't really know how you – it's interesting, man, because when they went to Louisville, they had, that was an ugly loss. They looked like – I don't know what team that was. Yeah. Uh, but other than that, <clears throat> even against Florida State, Florida State defensively we looked outmatched, um, especially our linebackers. But there was a chance in that game, people don't want to remember it, but it's the truth, we were driving to make it a one-possession game. Late in the game, they pulled away. So what I'm getting at is, you add Ollie Jennings to what the receiving core you have, some some surprises you'll have in the spring and the incoming freshmen, there's always a surprise, um, good or bad. <laughs> but um, I, I, think, uh, I think the offense is going to be extremely explosive. Again, Tyler Bourne will be even more comfortable these guys will know the scheme and the system. Now you can you can start adding in some wrinkles. Um, but I'm, I'm, I remember when I heard the news about Holly Jennings. You know, we all saw it if you were watching the game, and it was a huge blow. But in a lot of ways, that indirectly allowed the other receivers to even get more confidence and play at a higher level. And I just don't know how you stop it. You have Tugan, you have Malik, you have the other backs. Um, tight end is a bit of a question mark, but I think the kid that got injured is coming back. Yes. Um, yeah. So I mean, even at tight end, you you you, you know you're cooking with grease a little bit. I just I you know you got to be very optimistic with this offense. The schedule is a very good schedule. It has some big games, Clemson and Miami. Uh, Miami is not on Clemson's level, but the name alone and the athletes they bring, and the fact that I believe we lost three straight to them will be a good test. So yeah, I mean it's 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 actually interesting because. I dare I say for the first time in quite a while, I'm eager for the upcoming football season. <laughs> we're still in. We haven't, even really, we haven't even really gotten to March Madness yet. <laughs> he is the great Dwight Vick joining us on the program, the authority on tech football. And I got to ask you, as I thought about you, I almost shot you a text. But I said, I'm going to wait and ask him on Thursday. All right. So they put out, FanDuel put out their over and unders in terms of overall wins for the ACC teams. And you want to guess who is number one atop the list from FanDuel? Mm, Miami. Yes. 
Yes, yeah. Miami. <laughs> and I said, wait a minute, what has Dwight always said? What is the sage advice that I ignored a couple years ago that you have said about Miami football? <laughs> yeah, well, you stay away from them. I mean, the reality <laughs> is every year they're back. The media can't help themselves, man. Oh. They can't help themselves, man. They're like um, <clears throat> a cartoon character. They can't, they can't prevent themselves from buying into the Miami hype. When they have never won the ACC, they have one Coastal Division title before we went back to just straight out, flat out conference play, eliminating the divisions. Um, <clears throat> they have talent galore, but they always have talent. You know, it was funny. A lot of college football teams across the country have talent. Um, you look at USC and, and Caleb Williams, the quarterback that everybody's discussing, whether he's a bust or he's worth the hype, they were not a great team this year despite having him. And you can't tell me USC doesn't have talent. Right now they're just, you know, a team that's, you know, just trying to figure things out like a lot of teams in college football. So I'm not sure why there's so much hype every year around Miami, but I laugh because even our fans, oh, Miami, um, you know, even I think it would have been Hendon Hooker's last year with such. Um, when they came, it was it might have been it was the coldest season, or maybe it's the 2021 season. Um, but I remember we had them beat, and then late in the game, we gave the game away, and that Miami team was supposed to be so electric and so explosive. I, I just I've been watching the Miami High train for a long time. I, it, you know, I don't and I don't have nothing against them in regards to like if they're good. I think truthfully, I think Virginia Tech and Miami really need to be good. So Miami is a formidable opponent this year, and, and they have, they're on track for 10 wins. That's actually great for Virginia Tech, Clemson, Florida State, UVA, and everyone else in the ACC because you need those names good. Part of the reason why the ACC um, dipped a little bit in national respect and perception is because Virginia Tech, Miami, and Florida State have been down until recently with Florida State. That's just the honest to God truth. Yeah, yeah. So you actually, as much as I want to, you know, laugh or be cynical or <clears throat> somewhat sarcastic and condescending towards Miami and the over and under and wins and them being the ACC favorite, it actually helps because you really, it looks good like if Virginia Tech is ranked 18 and, and Miami is ranked 15 when they play. Um, it's just like I've told people, it, you know, I know people troll UVA, and UVA football has been rebuilding since I had a lot of hair on my head. <laughs> um, true, like really, right. like they've been rebuilding. They, they last beat Virginia Tech at Virginia Tech when I had a, a afro, I had a hair full of hair in 1998. <laughs> so they've been rebuilding that long. I mean, they've had some moments here and there, but sustainable success, they haven't had it. But when UVA, in regards to the ACC and football, is even an eight nine win team and Virginia Tech is trying to play for something beyond the ACC, that helps. People forget, but I'll just remind everybody, in 2005, <clears throat> Virginia Tech backed their way into the ACC title game. They had lost a tough game at my at home to Miami. It's when my cousin Marcus had too many turnovers, and um, Miami came in. It was the most hyped Virginia Tech-Miami game ever. Percy Harvin was on the sideline. They had the most recruits ever in Virginia Tech history. We were both, um, Virginia Tech was ranked in the top five, and we lost it. We might have been number three. Yeah, we were. That's when USC and um, the other school, Texas, 
play for a national championship. And we were the third team that whole year for the most part. And we wet the bed at home against Miami. But Miami did what Miami did and lost to Georgia Tech at home. We subsequently go down to UVA and beat them 50-something to 17. Mm-hmm. Um, and I may be getting years confused, but basically what I'm getting at is <clears throat> that year with Marcus, yeah, it was 05. That was the first ever um, ACC championship game, the inaugural ACC championship game. And we lost to a pedestrian Florida State team near the end of Bobby Bowden's career. So the thing about that season that was so good is that Virginia Tech played so many ranked opponents, and the ACC was very good. There was a slim chance they could back their way into the BCS title game. And the same thing happened, um, you know, that year when Tyrod Taylor was there and Glennon, and they did the two-quarterback system. And UVA was ranked 15 or 16, and Virginia Tech was ranked very high. And their only loss was to the LSU team. That's when the national championship that year had two losses. So Virginia Tech was even in the running for that. I believe our good friend Andy Bitter did a story about the what is if Virginia Tech could ever get if they had the system they had now where they had made the playoff. Now, there were a handful of years the answer was yes. So that kind of goes to show you um, Virginia Tech where they were. But I think that was also helpful when the ACC was good. It's just like in high school basketball and football. When your district or your region is good, Mm -hmm. if you get out the region, two of the coaches' favorite words is we're battle-tested. Yeah. So you're battle-tested. That helps perception because now the ESPNs and all these networks are in their branding. So you have a marketable matchup. You have two teams that are good. It helps. So moral of the story is, is that it's okay. We need Miami to be better. We need the hype. You know, it helps Virginia Tech if they get hype and they, and they fulfill expectations. Then you can say, okay, Tech be the ranked Clemson, a ranked Miami team, and that's what you want, you know, and you, you know, a good UVA team that's going bowling. You want that kind of narrative going. Otherwise, it's a what have you done for me lately and then your conference isn't that good. And then they start doing what they do and the committee gets in there like the Wizard of Oz and they make their potions and they screw, mm-hmm. screw right. a team. Right. right. <laughs> no, you're right. You're right. Yeah. No, you're, you're right. Everybody benefits if the league is good. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, listen, man, it's uh, great stuff as always. Appreciate you, and um, we'll get back to it again next week, man. I hope you and your fam have a great week. And your son doing okay, dealing with the season and everything? Yeah, I came back from a rolled ankle and had 21, 22 points, eight boys. There you go. Well, actually, it's closer to 10 boys. And um, they're resting this week, and then they start regionals Tuesday. And then hopefully they get a chance to play for another state championship. That's the goal. All right. Well, good luck. Good luck to you guys and to him. And uh, we'll talk again next week, man. Appreciate you. Yes, sir. All right. There you go. Dwight Vick. Great stuff as always. He's exactly right, isn't he? Right? You may not like him on game day. You don't want him to, you know, outdo what Tech might do. But, boy, you need the league to be good. All right. We'll be back to wrap it up after this. All right. We're back to uh, wrap it up here on this Thursday. Great stuff from Andy Bitter, Evan Hughes, and... Dwight Vic. Tomorrow, finally Friday edition, more of your requests. We'll be talking about hopefully wins by the Radford men and the Tech women on the hardwood. That'll be the first hour. Then uh, we'll steward in studio, Jen and Mike Ashley. Everybody enjoy the rest of your day. Come see us at the Dedman Center tonight. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you tomorrow, wrapping up another week.
us here at News Center 4. I'm Ron Burgundy. You stay classy, New River Valley.